Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 26. This week I've got Raz Ula and before I go into anything I, I really just want to say thank you to him. The The episode only really came about because someone mentioned to me that he was leaving Dundee um, after having been here a few years on a, a couple of different stints. And they were like, oh, you should catch him before he goes. So I, I dropped him an email and he was like, oh, well, I'm going in two days' time. Um, and fair play, I mean, he, he made the time in between packing up his flat to come and do the podcast. So big, big thanks um, to him for doing that. And I mean, I've only met him once before we did the episode, but he's such an upbeat and positive guy. It was just, yeah, it was wonderful to have a chat. And we, and for those of you who don't know who he is already, he's a musician. Um, he's worked on loads of different projects. He was a technician at DJ CAD. He's worked as part of Neon Festival as a sort of musician, artist, visualizer, projection mapper. I mean, he's done a whole host of things. Um, but I mean, the podcast episode is mostly focused around his musical work. But even there, he's got a mad spread of projects where he's just released his own seven-inch, I mean, under the as the spirit wanes. Uh, he's also got another project with Andrew Vasilik called Art of the Memory Palace. Um, they've got an album out as well, and he is the synth player and a few other things for Jane Weaver, um, and that's one of the reasons why he's moving back down to to Manchester um, is so that he can be closer to gig more with um, Jane Weaver and the rest of the band. So we talk about all that and we also talk about how his life has been this coincidence after coincidence after chance meeting and sort of serendipitous event and I think the theme is that he's really just bouncing between good people wherever he goes and he can sort of embed himself into a community and really make things happen. Um, and he talks a lot about that and about the people and he's just so positive about the people in Dundee and the, the quality and the drive and the momentum that's behind the creative community. And it's a perspective that I don't think we've had before directly. Um, such a strong, positive look on it and it makes me think, well, maybe I am being a bit too pessimistic, but maybe that's just my nature, I suppose. But yeah, so d- before we head on into the podcast, um, this week I've got another big announcement. Um, first thing to say is thank you to everyone who has bought the merch already. I have sold a few bits and pieces during the week. But if you would like to support the podcast in a little way or a slightly bigger way, then you can go on the website, so cccdundee.com forward slash store. And I've got prints badges and a mini quote book on there, all risograph printed and you can either buy them through the link to Etsy on the site and I'll post them out or to save you the cost of postage you can fill out a little form on the website and you can come and collect it from Fleet Collective. But I really do appreciate everyone who's bought the merch so far and if you do want to support the podcast then please do go and buy yourself some nice things from the shop. And that will really help me sustain this podcast and just cover some of the costs going forward. Um, so thanks for that. 
And the big announcement, so next week, as I'm sure the majority of you will know, is the Dundee Design Festival, and that's from the 25th to the 29th of May, so that's the Thursday to the Monday, and Creative Chit Chat will be in there in the form of an installation. So it's going to be called Punch In, Punch Out. Sort of The idea has come from the factory floor theme of this year. And the idea of sort of showing process and discussing that and, and starting conversations. And the idea behind this is capturing the conversations, the ideas, the thoughts, the opinions of the people who are going to be on the factory floor in Westward Works next week. So how it works is outside the door, um, the door being what was the cinema room last year, so just next to the cafe um, in front of Gallery 1. There will be a rack of cards on the wall, so little punch cards. And each of those cards will have a topic, an idea, a question on it. And you select a card that you want to chat about. Then you come in and have a sort of two to five minute conversation with me around about um, that topic or idea or question. And I'm going to audio record all these little conversations. And then after you've you've sort of completed a chat, you can then add your very own card to the rack. And what it means is I'll be able to sort of document and, and sort of organically grow the questions and answers and topics that we chat about. And I'll capture um, this whole thing over the five days of the festival. I'll then edit it down and put out a series of podcast episodes over the coming weeks. So I'm really excited about this. It's the first time I've ever done anything like this. Um, it's a little bit ambitious, but I'm sure it'll be great. And I'm sure there'll be some amazing people coming through the doors of Westward Works next week. So if you are there, come and say hello, come and answer a question, and we can have a chat, and you can get yourself on the podcast. So yeah, um, there's also a link in the show notes to tell you a bit more about that installation. Um, and if you want to find out more about the festival, it's dundeedesignfestival.com. So... After that sort of upbeat announcement, let's get into another upbeat conversation. So this is episode number 26, and this is with Raz Ula. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's actually, this is my, this is the end of my second stint in Dundee. Okay. Uh, I came to university here in the 90s and uh, left in 1999 um, to go and live in, I lived in Barcelona for a couple of years and then... Uh, moved to London and then Bristol and then back to Manchester. So, and then I ended up back in Dundee seven years ago in two thousand and ten. Um, so yeah, so the first time I was here, I was uh, a university student and just playing in bands and just generally having quite a nice life as you do in your in your mid twenties and not really caring about that much. And uh, yeah, just sort of I fell in love with it. But I felt I was kind of I think it was like twenty seven, twenty eight when I decided I needed to just broaden my horizons a little bit. I just felt felt the sort of travel bug and go and have some more experiences. So I went off. Um, and then I lived in Barcelona for a couple of years as a TEFL teacher, um, which was very interesting. Met some great people, and uh, then I, I, I was—I've always been a musician, sort of sound dude, uh, and I was doing a bit of that. I did a little bit of that in Dundee, and then a bit more in Barcelona. And then I'd got to the stage where I wanted to sort of formalise it, um, so I decided to move back to Manchester and do a degree in music technology. So that's when it really started to sort of coalesce. I mean, I really figured out this is the direction I want to sort of take my life in. Um, so I did the degree and then 
I got because I already had experience of um, teaching English. I thought, why don't I get into music education instead? So, so I did the degree, and then I've got a job as a lecturer in music technology. So teaching um, sixteen. It was an FE college, but we did um, HE students as well. So I was teaching sixteen to eighteen year olds, showing them software, microphones, recording studios, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so that was my day job, and then uh, in the evening I was playing in various bands and just kind of tinkering around at home with synthesizers and tape machines and all that kind of stuff, basically. And it just it just got to a point where I was it just grew and grew and grew, and it just seemed to sort of take up all my time, and I realised I'd finally found my calling. I wasn't getting much money for it, but I was getting certainly getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. And then in 2010, my partner wanted to go and study at the Scottish School of Contemporary Dance, which is at the space in Dundee. Um, so I said, yeah, let's, let's move up there. I know, I know the place already. I've still got lots of friends. It's a nice, easy move. Uh, and then ended up back. Quite bizarrely. It's, it's amazing how many people have come to Dundee not yeah. through their own volition, it's through their partner. Yeah, yeah, it's partner, yeah, or just sort of strange coincidences or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they always end up, end up loving it. Um, it was interesting because, like I said, I was here in the 90s and there wasn't, there wasn't that much to do, really. It's, it was a completely different city from what it is now. Uh, this was this was before DCA opened as well. I think I left the year DCA opened, um, so it was before this kind of cultural, creative renaissance, for want of a better word, happened. Um, so there wasn't that much to do. So I, I must say, when when we were coming back, I was a little bit trepidatious about because I was living in Manchester, and I lived in major cities before that, and I was a bit like, hmm, is there going to be much to do when we get there? Um, so I was doing. I, Ended up doing just a bit of research, just Googling what's going on in Dundee and what, what kind of events are on in Dundee and stuff. And what do I find? But a website called Creative Dundee. Was, um, I think they'd only been going like a year or something like that. Uh, and it, it, it was there was a fair bit of content on it, not as much as there is now, but it, um, I think they were talking about there was a, a music festival at the Botanic Garden called uh, N Ilk like an electronic music festival and uh, the website mentioned a neon digital arts festival and, and various other bits and bobs. And and when I saw that, uh, I thought, you know what, it's going to be fine. <laughs> the city's changed. This seems to be interesting stuff happening. So so let's go. Let's go and check it out. And then another coincidence, when I got here, um, completely by accident, ended up getting a job at Abate University at the Hannah McClough Centre. And, uh, and on the first day, I was speaking to Claire Brennan, the curator there, who was my line manager. And I said, so what's this? Uh, I've seen this Neon Digital Arts Festival. It looks quite interesting. I'd quite like to get involved. And she was like, oh, we're one of the organisers. So so that's how I got involved with Neon from there. So It's just, honestly, it's just been coincidence after coincidence after serendipitous event after after another, basically. It's been really fun. But it's funny because I mean, a lot of the people that I've spoken to on the podcast, yeah, I think no one really has a plan. No, things, God, no. Things just happen. Yeah. And you just go with the flow and... Yeah. You don't... There's not necessarily a worry about what's next. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, there's enough great stuff going on somewhere in the world you just have to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. There's there's some sort of driving force within you that makes you think, yeah, let's try this out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's it, that's a really good attitude to have. I think it's when, when you have that attitude, when you don't worry too much about the, what, what the outcomes are going to be or if you, if you even if you're prepared to fail, I think that's when good stuff just kind of organically sort of comes to you? Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? I think um, I mean, failure is something we've talked about a bit. Yeah. Um, and I, mean, I think you've said that it's a, 
it's definitely a healthy thing to have in your life. Mm. It's sort of an essential part because if you never, if you never experience failure, then you think everything's going to be rosy, and when it does hit you, it's going to hit you ten times harder. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but being able to to fail and learn and pick yourself up and go again, I yeah. think is absolutely essential. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, you pick up a lot of coping mechanisms from from failure, and, and yeah, and you just learn to be better and do yeah. things differently. Yeah, it's really, exactly. really good. Yeah, here's to failure <laughs> <laughs> and success. I think <laughs> failure in a certain a certain way. I think there's. I think you've got to consider your surroundings, your context, the yeah. people you work with. I think there's this failure mm. where you you can maybe completely blinkered and you mm. just go round and you you sort of think that you're correct and this is definitely mm-hmm. the angle without full consideration. Yeah. But if you if you allow yourself to take that step back, yeah, you give you that yourself that context. I think. Yeah. That's a more healthy way of looking at it. Yeah, so definitely. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's more of a. A design approach, I suppose. I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it helps if 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 you don't let your ego get bruised by it as well. Mm, exactly. And there's there's nothing worse than just feeling feeling inadequate if something hasn't worked out. You just gotta um, not take it personally and just yeah, just try and figure out why it didn't work out and what you can actually learn from from the outcomes. And I think another thing that we talked about before mm. with other people was confidence. Yeah. Um, and I think. Confidence and arrogance can sometimes be sort of mixed up or misconstrued. Yeah. Um, and I think over time you gain confidence in your practice. Definitely. Um, but you don't necessarily have to gain arrogance. No, that. no, no. Um, and that's more of a, a sort of personality trait rather yeah. than something you build up and gain over time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, because I think all that's sort of tied up in one thing, like the whole building up your confidence and accepting failure and mm-hmm. not, an, not allowing that failure to, to dent that, as yeah. you say, like dent your ego. Or yeah, completely. Going forward yeah, yeah, yeah. And just see it all see it all as a, as a big journey, as a big adventure, basically, mm. with these little kind of um, way markers that you've done on the way. I think it's really, really interesting. But yeah, every, every, every sort of every time I've failed, um, generally, maybe a year or a year later, I've been involved in a different project and I've, I've taken something from the ones that didn't work out and put them into something that did work out. So, so yeah, definitely. I think because I've been for been for job interviews and things yeah. like that, and I think I've learned more from the ones that I didn't get yeah. than the ones that I did get. Yeah. Um, and and, I, and as much as the experience that I had at the interview. Yeah. Because then when you get that rejection, you sort of start to think, well, what was that quite right for mm. me, or where should I be going? What should I be doing? Yeah. Um, and you start to analyse the situation a bit more. Yeah, totally. If you'd just gone on that path and got that job and gone, and then you'd never have thought about that. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. But yeah, so you were at so you're part of Neon when you yeah, I just that. crowbarred my way in there basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'd, I'd kind of seen it a little bit from afar, and then um, so I, I started um a week before the 2010 festival so it was straight into installing and um that was uh we had um really interesting artists over it was uh akinori oishi from japan and um i can't remember the names german animators uh, i can't remember but there was, a, there was a bunch of really really cool stuff going on um so i was helping out with the show and uh driving to edinburgh to pick up artists and take them back to abate for the conference so straight away i was i was you know i've got this job within two weeks i was knee deep in interesting people <laughs> it's was, it was pretty good <laughs> and so that was 2010 so my, my involvement then was kind of just uh, just sort of tech support and a bit and a bit sort of periphery and then um at the end of it they have uh, they have like a sort of neon roundup meeting where they discuss what happened and ways to take it forward and all that kind of stuff and i just i just packed up and said i'd like do you mind if i sit in on this meeting uh, and maybe propose some 
propose some events for next year. And Claire, um, Claire and Donna, the two curators, right? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's great to get more and more and more people involved. So from then on, I had a bit more input, and then it was the 2011 festival where um, I was helping out with. Uh, as well as the tech, tech side of it, actually programming it um, and running some actual events and creating, uh, did, we created uh, the music for the finale. And um, yeah, yeah, so, and then from then on, it was, I was like an, an integral part of the team. And it's just an amazing experience, certainly for meeting international artists, um, but putting on a festival, you, you learn loads. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. It can be stressful, but, but at the end of it, it's just, it's just a huge, huge buzz. Mm. And I've, I've, loved, I've loved working on every neon that I've worked on since. And it's great seeing it grow. It's going from strength to strength now. So, mm. okay. um, so in terms of your, like, you mentioned that you, your music has mm. sort of started out as your personal mm. passion. Um, yeah. And now you've sort of grown that and, and built it over time. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you do that as, a, as an artist, as a musician? How do you, you grow your profession from just the thing that you do in your bedroom yeah. to the thing that actually makes you some money? Right. Um, well, keep doing it, for one thing. <laughs> that is the absolute main thing. No, if, even if you're not making money or what, you just have to keep doing it because... It makes me feel good. I mean, not not that you necessarily need to, to make money. From not it. at all. No, no. I'm not, yeah, yeah. No, my 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 definition of success is that you you do what you love. That's enough. Whether you can get a few pennies for doing it, that's that's a nice little bonus. But yeah, just just do it to to make yourself feel good. So, um, so yeah. So I was teaching and playing, and then um, in 2011, I did a, a master's in sound design at Edinburgh College of Art. Uh, and that really opened my eyes up to the possibilities of, of sound. Before, I just kind of used it in a kind of musical sort of context uh, and did a couple of soundtracks for films. But this this course really taught me about sound as a material and how it integrates uh, with visuals and sort of the theory of it and the philosophy behind it. Uh, and, and it was then that I really got into um, creating sort of interactive sound environments and a bit of coding with Max MSP and physical computing and you know, you mentioned earlier about the analog digital interface. That's when I really started to, um, yeah, it was just like my mind exploded when I just saw the possibilities. And because I was already really, really curious and, and playful about all this, all this sort of stuff, it was like, <laughs> amazing. So yeah, so every day um, at, at university, we were, we were doing doing group projects where creating big sound installations and doing doing sort of stuff inside the box. Uh, and obviously, it tied in really well with my work at the Hannah McClure Centre, which was kind of a new media gallery. So and the, the game design students there, so it, was, it, it all sort of fed into that as well. And um, so every, every time I had a lecture, I learnt, learnt a new technique. I just I went home that day and I had a play with it and tried to do something fun and interesting with it. Um, the fun part was was the fun part is is really big for me. It's it, it's it's good to make interesting things and and objects and um, you know stuff that's functional, but I quite like silliness. <laughs> so whenever you know, if 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 we uh, if we learn about physical computing, you can do this thing with solenoids where you can you can program something into an Arduino and get it to actually uh, move move like a piece of metal to play to play something. So so I was doing that, and at, at university, people were getting that to play uh, little tiny drums and all that kind of stuff. But I was getting it to sort of I was putting a mobile phone down and and interfacing interfacing with that and just whatever stupid stuff I had lying around the house and sampling sampling burps and getting that to play and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, just, you know, amusing myself, basically. <laughs> so a serious and, and non-serious approach. Just when you're talking about that stuff, mm. I sort of imagine you're, 
like whatever you do your music is sort of like um, Doc from Back to the Future it's like his workshop just filled with he's my biggest hero wires yeah. and synthesizers yeah, 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 totally. and bits of kit that you yeah definitely things. yeah well I mean you know, I've, been, I've been packing up my stuff to move and I've just realised that I mostly just own cables <laughs> I've got every cable known to man <laughs> but never the right one never the right one no no <laughs> but yeah the mad scientist thing definitely uh, and yeah, well, you know, when I was when I was growing up, I was quite into sort of Doctor Who and um, Blake Seven and all that kind of stuff. So this the sci-fi laboratory type thing has always it's always been there. So yeah. So you, you sort of touched on it there, the, the sort of digital versus analog yeah. side of things. Yeah. Um, where's the interest there for you? Because obviously, like digital media has gone massive. And yeah, yeah, totally. And things like that, but then. Mm. You'd, I mean, vinyl seen a massive like, resurgence yeah. recently, and these sort of didn't see that medium. come in, did they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So what's what's your I suppose what's your take on it, and what yeah. what interests you, and what areas sort of interest you between the two? Um, well, yeah, they both they both interest me. I've got to kind of dip my toe in both. Um, what interests me about digital is the limitless possibilities yeah. that you can do in terms of coding and, and getting computers and uh, computers in Raspberry Pis and whatnot to do stuff. You can get them to do pretty much anything, and the sort of the physical sensing capabilities that they have with um, you know motion centers and motion sensors and infrared sensors and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've not really done anything with big data, but I, I, I've kind of I know people who've sort of delved into that, like mining data from Twitter and using that to control robots and all that sort of stuff, basically. Um, so yeah, the, the digital universe is absolutely massive, and it's just you know it's, the only limit is your imagination is what you want to do with it. And um, the reason I like the analog stuff is that to me that's more tangible and you, you can hold it, you can see it, you actually have a, a sort of physical relationship with it. Like, let's, let's take um, a, a record, putting a record on as opposed to listening to an mp3. When you listen to an mp3 it's, it's like a, it's a digital version of a file. Um, but when you put a record on, you've, you've, you pick the record up, you take it out of the sleeve, place it on the platter, you put the needle on the record, it starts spinning around and you can see the sound actually being created right in front of you. Uh, and you have to interact with it when, when it's over, you, you take the record off, you turn, you turn the record over, you put the second side on. Uh, and you also you've got the sleeve to, to look at and read and all that sort of stuff basically. So I, I, I like there to be, I like to have something to do with my hands as well as my brain. <laughs> I don't know. Do you get, do you get what I mean? Yes, yeah, the way I see it is a sort of there's a Venn diagram where digital and analog, and then yeah. you sort of sit in the middle. Of yeah, the two and that's the area that. Yeah, yeah, you totally. Like to play within. Yeah, definitely. I th actually, no. I think there was uh, when I did my final project for my masters. Um, it was very open ended, and uh, my supervisor said, "Right." Do whatever you want, basically, but you have to you have to incorporate all the research and all the stuff that you've learned over the two years, kind of stuff. And uh, I was kind of flummoxed as to what to do because we'd we'd learnt so many te techniques and dipped into so many different ideas and and uh, thoughts and philosophies about sound and interaction and all that kind of stuff, which was absolutely fantastic. But I had to I had to make something at the end of it. I had to show something, and uh, it took me a couple of weeks of just mulling over what to do, and then um, I was just kind of going over my own development as as a person and as a musician and, and what got me excited and I just remember as a kid I was just really really into um, cassette players and analog radios and record players and all that sort of stuff that's that's always kind of um, interact with them has always sort of driven me and uh, so then, then I hit upon it I was like right so I know all this digital stuff but I want to do I need to create a project that expresses who I am as an individual um, so that's when I decided to do this thing that was that would incorporate the two. Um, so I embarked on a project which was taking uh, cassette Walkmans and uh, hacking into the motor 
the playback motor and then using um, digital stuff to analyze incoming audio and it sort of did like a spectral analysis on, on incoming audio and then it used the data from that spectral analysis to control how these Walkmans were actually working so it was like a, a laptop with a bunch of code running and then six Walkmans with tapes in each one and depending what what audio was coming in you got like a different kind of different stuff playing on all the little tapes so it was, it was kind of cool but the best thing about it was it was it was perfect analog digital hybrid you had, you had all this code going on and then there was this clunky machines and you know things whirring and, and all that sort of stuff basically yeah it was, it was like a really weird sort of Keith Robinson type contraption over here and this beautiful like <laughs> MacBook with just one page of code it's quite it's a really interesting contrast um but I, yeah i just i just loved it it was like brilliant this is now that was then and this is this this kind of relationship between the two is really really interesting yeah. and you said you've got a love for cassettes yeah um because you've you've released on cassette mm -hmm. like in the i mean relatively recent yeah uh, past yeah yeah and what's what's the thinking behind that then uh, again it's just giving uh, ex expressing what we're interested in and giving people uh, an object to hold. And so when you're saying we, part. that's... Uh, uh, it's myself and Andrew, yeah, so from Art of the Memory Palace. Yeah, 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 totally. And also, it was like it was like a DIY thing, because we'd, we'd written the album, and um, we wanted to... We didn't just want it to sit on our hard drives. We thought, right, we've done, we've done something. We think it's all right, let's, let's, let's put it out. So how can we put it out? Uh, vinyl reproduction was way beyond our budgets, uh, but cassette duplication is actually very, very cheap. So you can, you can get a run of a... 200 cassettes done for about 150 quid or something like that, uh, which we did. So we got the cassettes um, manufactured and then we printed the sleeves ourselves. And it was just a night in the flat putting sleeves in cassettes. And then um, we, we actually, I, I was involved with a record label back in Manchester. And I spoke to him. I said, look, I really want to put this album out, but I, I don't want, I just need a label to put it out. But you don't have to do anything. We'll create the album, we'll pay for it, we'll do all the manufacturing. Um, but if you could deal with the distribution side of things. And he was like, cool, is that all I have to do? Brilliant. <laughs> Job done. So, yeah, so I managed to get it out on a label, which was really, And so they did all the digital stuff and got it on Spotify and iTunes and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's important to still have that digital aspect to the music so that yeah, it yeah, that totally. reach. Definitely, yeah. Again, reach is an excellent word. I think these, the digital stuff um, for musicians is absolutely... It's, my opinion is it's pretty amazing. A lot of people uh, are against Spotify and streaming and all that sort of stuff, basically. But we're we're in a situation now where you can, you can make a track and upload it onto SoundCloud or the web or whatever, like your podcast. And you know somebody in Mongolia could listen to it, or Ukraine or Iceland or whatever. You know within within a day of doing it, and and back before the days of digital technology, that just wasn't possible. So I think that I think that's great for musicians and creatives that you can you can get immediate feedback basically mm. yeah or just share your work straight away it's fantastic yeah and I, I got my hands on that album mm. uh, I had a copy in the office yeah. and um, it's a really nicely considered object um, yeah so I'm interested to find out how that that process works for you so you've got the audio but then you've yeah. obviously got to you put it into a physical form yeah to then give it out yeah um, and how much how much time do you spend on that part of it and how much consideration right. is there for the, the colour of the cassette or the, right, okay. the way the sleeve looks or the yeah. artist that you choose to work right, with? Right, okay. Or, yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite an organic process, really. Um, obviously, you know, we're both kind of uh, embedded in the <laughs> Dundee creative scene, so we, we, know, we know a lot of designers and we, we go to exhibitions and we're always seeing, you know, what's coming out of this place and what actually looks good and, and, and what's functional. So we'll, we'll kind of, I've sort of absorbed that 
kind of by osmosis basically and I think when it comes to making decisions if you're in that sort of environment it actually makes it it makes it easier to make the correct decision if you sort of you're already sort of embedded in the culture kind of thing basically um so yeah so the first thing was the color of the cassette and that was just basically we had a look at the the manufacturer we just looked at the choice choices and it was like okay well clear black no ooh, lime green excellent and it, and it just jumped out at us but again you know it, 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 like i said if you if, if you sort of if you've got the vibe of, of design and art you just sort of it, it makes it easier to make better decisions i think mm. Yeah. And is it important for you guys to put out that package as a whole? Like you would never just put out, a, as you said, like a clear cassette. Just, it's important for you. Is it important for you to put that all together so it feels coherent? Yeah, well? definitely. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. I mean, we, we want people to enjoy the music as well, but we want we want them, we want there to be um, a life for the music beyond what's actually coming out of the speakers. So, so yeah. So obviously that's where the sleeve design comes in. Uh, Andrew knows a, uh, an amazing college artist in Seattle called uh, Jesse Treese and uh, we, we was just looking at some of his work and we thought it'd be perfect it really it really reflected the music and it encapsulated our sort of ethos and sort of mishmash of influences that we have he does some really really amazing collages you should check his work out um, so he sent us some examples of his work and we just spent a couple of weeks deciding which one to go for and then hit upon on the one that we ended up on the cassette and then uh, we spoke to Lyle uh, the designer and we asked him to do us a logo and uh, that was hilarious because he, 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 we, we, we came into Fleet Collective, myself and Andrew, we sat down with Lyle and he said, right, I've, I've got a couple of ideas here. And he opened up his laptop and, and there, was, there, was, there were various logos there. And I can't, I can't remember what they actually looked like. They were all, they were all pretty cool, um, but none of them really sort of popped for us. I was like, yeah, no, that's pretty good. Yeah, mm, yeah, I don't know. Have you got anything else? Uh, and he's like, well, I was just doing, I was, I was doing a bit of a sketch in my sketchbook. And I was like, yeah, let's have a look at that. And he pulled out the sketchbook and it was this doodle that he'd done for the logo. It was absolutely amazing. And that's the one that we ended up using. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was a bizarre process. But I'm, I'm sure you've had experiences like that before where you've kind of, you've tried to design something and you thought, it, you know, put a lot of thought into it and make, make it a really sort of considered effort. And then it just ends up being the little <laughs> casual thing, a <laughs> casual throwaway thing that the client wants. So. Uh, but it's a great design. It's a really, really cool design. Yeah, so it's AOTMP, A-O- oh, the memory palace, the acronym, but it's in, in a sort of pyramid type thing. Yeah. If you look at it, it's, a, it's an A and a, and a T and a P. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did that collaboration come about between the two of you guys? Uh, I was through a, a, a random meeting. Another one. <laughs> Another coincidence. Yeah. Um, Andrew is uh, Claire's partner, who I work with at the Hannah McClough Centre. So we were, just, we were just in the pub one night and Claire said, oh, this is Andrew. Uh, shook hands, started talking about music, and just just hit it off straight away. We didn't even talk about specific bands. I think we just talked about weird sounds and how much we like weird noises. And and there was just that, just, just that we just clicked straight away. And um, from then on, we we said, right, okay, let's let's get together and, and have a jam, as they say in the business. <laughs> but sometimes that doesn't work out, and um, sometimes it, it's just absolutely perfect. So yeah, as soon as we started playing together, we just we just found a way to play with each other and found our, our own little space within the collaboration. It's kind of, uh, it's almost, it almost telepathic. And how how would you describe the sort of style of music on the album? Hmm. Um, well, it's it's pretty psychedelic. It's, um, it's atmospheric. It's got a bit of sort of low-end 
beef going on. Kind of some of the tracks make you move, some of the tracks make you think, some of the tracks, um, yeah, make you think good things, some make you think bad things. I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult one. It's it's a mishmash of kind of um, sort of seventies German cosmic bands like Can and uh, Noi and Kraftwerk and all that sort of stuff, and um, kind of I don't know operatic operatic vocals with far too much reverb on um strange found sounds and um interesting synth textures yeah i don't know <laughs> i find it i find it really hard to describe it but um maybe that's why it's maybe that's why it's okay maybe that's why it's good because you just i, I found it actually bit... put it into words did you like it yeah i did yeah. Yes, i listened to it yesterday i think i was yeah. just doing some work yes yeah. it's funny how certain types of music are really good just to sit in the background as, as a passive sort of listening experience yeah and you just you can actually become more productive if you've just got something nice on yeah and I felt like you could sort of dip in and dip out of parts of it right it yeah yeah of, yeah it was it's it quite atmospheric right yeah but again I, I find it very difficult to describe right yeah yeah exactly yeah because I mean, so there's, I there's, there's just a lot of going on there's a lot of layers and yeah completely and then something yeah. comes out of the blue and yeah like, yeah totally uh, it's, it's just a result of us not really caring to be honest <laughs> <laughs> and I think when you don't care anymore that's that's when the amazing stuff happens it's just like yeah cool. yeah, let's write an 11 minute song who cares well, let's do it <laughs> it's fine well, and um, yeah there, there, was, there was an 11 minute one on the album um, we did a single last year um, which was yeah like 10 and a half minute spoken word piece you know, like career suicide. <laughs> who, who, who would want to do that? We're like, right, brilliant. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that was a collaboration with James Robertson, um, a Scottish writer. It, well, actually, he going back to the album, it came out on cassette, but when you got a cassette, there was a, a little inlay booklet uh, with the sort of album credits and song titles. Um, but we wanted there to be... Do you know, I don't know, do you know like in the 1950s you had the sort of jazz records came out and they had, they usually had like an essay on the back. Okay. So some sort of beatnik writer would um, have a few coffees and, and, and write about this this jazz album. And they're really, really amazing. Yeah, so, so the whole back of the sleeve is, is, is an essay on the album or, or, or the artist or whatever. Uh, and I always loved that. And so me and Andrew were chatting, and he, he liked that as well. Me and Andrew were chatting as well. I was like, wouldn't it be cool to just have some kind of little story in here or a poem or something like that? He was like, no problem. I know a writer. I'll, I'll get in touch with him. So he knows he knows James, James Robertson, and um, he basically just proposed this to him. James said, "Yeah, fine. Send me the album." He sent him the album, and James listened to it. I don't know how many times he listened to it. Maybe maybe just a couple of times or something. And then he he wrote he wrote this piece. It's like uh, unconscious writing or something like that. I don't know. He, he just came out with this stuff, um, purely from the themes that he 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 sort of picked out while listening to the album. Uh, and it was absolutely amazing. It totally captured us. It captured what the album was about. It was a beautiful, beautiful piece of writing. Um, but you only got that if you bought the cassette, so there were only hundreds of those in existence. Uh, and then last year, me and Andrew were chatting, and I was like, oh, we really need to get this out to a wider audience. Um, so let's speak to James and get him to actually read the, read the little short story, uh, and we'll create a piece of music to go over the top of that. Uh, so that became that became a single which came out on Static Caravan Records, limited edition. Uh, again, a, a beautiful design object. It was uh, limited to a hundred uh, lathe cut, individually lathe cut clear vinyl, clear vinyl singles, and uh, sold out. <laughs> so really, really cool. Um, your I suppose your your music career has been quite. I suppose it's more of a sort of. Oh, I don't know if I like this term, but a, mm. a portfolio career. Whereas you've done lots of little bits and pieces. Yeah. And you're part of, I mean, different 
groups yeah. and bands. And, yeah. And, whereas, I mean, when I think of music, you think yeah. of a band that's been together and will always be together and that's just how right, it works. Yeah. But now you're starting to see people who will try a little bit of something and yeah. then they'll split from that band and they'll go, oh, let's try something else. Yeah. And you think... Do you think that's a trend and something that will change going forward, that people are going to collaborate more and try yeah. new things and sort of diversify from, from what they're doing? I think so, yeah. And I think that I think that's the result of, of digital technology and how, how connected we are these days. It's actually that there's, there's more and more avenues for collaboration. So um, so you, you get people taking that up early and that influences other people to do it when they realise how easy it is and how, how rewarding it can be. Um, yeah, so definitely. So, so now if, if, if you're a musician in a band, um, you, a film director might get in touch and say, oh, could I get a soundtrack for this? Uh, um, a dance choreographer might say, I need, I, I like your music, but I need, I need something for this or, or all that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, and I think it, it sort of just reflects what's going on in kind of wider society, sort of open source and sharing of resources and, Trying things out and experimenting with different people and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, you do you do a lot of little things, don't you? I remember a, yeah. a chat you did where you just you just make little flash games and, and weird little websites just just for a laugh. You know? Yeah, well, and the stuff I've been doing more recently, I've been playing with some print based things. Yeah. Like, um, and again, it's a collaboration with an illustrator, mm. Kate Guthrie. Um, we made some wrapping paper for Christmas yeah. and uh, some cards. And, right. Yeah, I, I think. I want to challenge myself, but not mm. necessarily within the digital realm. I want to start yeah. to, to make some physical things. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I've, I'm, I mean, I think my, my skills have always worked as a service. So okay. I would charge someone for me to do design work for mm. them, whereas I've never had products. Right. So I started to move into that a little bit and yeah. say, okay, what if I made, use my skills to create individual little products yeah. and nice little things that people will pay for. Yeah. And that's a new concept and a new... Yeah, yeah, totally. Thing, which is actually really quite nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and something that I can run along the same side. Amazing. Um, and again, like the podcast, where yeah. I'd, I'd never really interviewed anyone before yeah. I started that. Um, but again, I've learned a hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah, that, totally. That process. And I, like, I knew nothing about audio. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> I just thought, well, okay, Yeah, go for it. Go. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, yeah. I think there's that attitude that... Yeah. You see from a lot of people who do lots of different things. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they gain momentum in their career, but I mean, they, they never know what's next. Which yes. Is, but they feel that's exciting rather than daunting. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's the result of the environment that we've kind of found ourselves in. It's, yeah. it's really, really exciting. So, yeah. And I think... I, you I, think, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. <laughs> but I also think we're in a time where we're particularly lucky that the skills that I have yeah. enable me to do that. Yes. Um, whereas, like, my wife's a solicitor and mm. I mean she she would never be able to do that and yeah. have that flexibility and that freedom which yeah. is, that design allows me to do and yeah. which I think I'm really really lucky in that respect and yeah. that because of the, the change and the, the attitude towards design and the, the sort of attitude that it's more of a necessity yeah. in sort of anyone's process that there's a lot more opportunities yeah. Um, so yeah I, I do feel quite privileged in that, yeah. that aspect because I I suppose I fell into design as you see. Yeah, yeah, just, totally. Just yeah, happened. Mm. Enjoying art at schools. So yeah, to get into that. So yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just good. it's just good to be diverse and keep yourself interested, isn't it? Mm. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Sure. just. Um, are you into You don't have to be, but yeah. I, I kind of I am and I am. Yeah. and um, I think it's, it's social media game is is horrifying. No, but, I can't. Yeah. But I think he watches sketch show. Yeah, um, and. Maybe fifty percent will yeah. land with yes. me, and I'll go. It's brilliant. It's yeah, 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 totally. Um, and it wasn't actually until so one of the podcasts I listened to is yeah. um, Scroobius Pips, right? Distraction pieces, mm. um, which is fantastic. I'd highly recommend it because yeah. he's just got such a diverse range of, right. of guests, and he had Limmy on it. Yeah, 
and it completely changed the way that I understood him as a as a writer, as a comedian. As a exactly, writer. I think I had the same experience. It, it must have been it was a different podcast that he was talking on. But he, he said he just it, it was a, before he kind of became a comedy writer. He was just doing little flash games and things mm-hmm. like that, just just to stop himself from being bored. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then he was saying that he could make boring. Um, formulaic sketch comedy yeah. if he wanted to yeah. but why would he why yeah. would you just do the same as everyone else yeah, yeah, why not try things that may or may not work yeah. um, and have a, a portfolio of that yeah. and then if loads of people like half of it that's yeah. great if not um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. again yeah, you, do, you, just, you end up you just look at the whole body of work and, and think wow that, that was absolutely amazing that one wasn't that great but I can see how how that led to that uh, and 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 your perception changes of, of design and things as you, as you get older and as you as you meet new people. So you know so you, you might not like something that like a musical genre, for example. I mean, when I was a kid, I was just a typical kid. I was like, no, I hate the Beatles and I hate jazz and I hate I hate this and I hate that. And and I've ended up loving all of those because I just yeah I grew up a little bit and I found out about them. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so what's your organic man? Yeah. What's your sort of how do you listen to music now? How do you enjoy? Music. Uh, well, I've got this little strange ritual uh, every morning where I, I wake up and I have a coffee and I listen, listen to at least one side of a record um, before I th- turn the computer on, before I, before I go out or anything like that. Because it's, it's what, what I was talking about before about uh, interacting with something physically and um, having something, it puts you in the moment straight away kind of thing. So, so it's, it's, almost, it's, it's like a ritualistic type thing, basically. I know, it's, it's a bit sad, but... <laughs> I think it's quite, quite a nice, it's quite thing nice. To have yeah, 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 totally. So before I start thinking about work or, or or leaving the flat or anything like that, I just sit down quietly, look out the window, uh, and and listen to one side of a record, and that sort of sort of sets me up for the day, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's meditative. It's I mean it's it's usually a quite a mellow sounding record. It's not, I don't get up and listen to like thrash metal or anything like that. Um, so that so that's in the mornings. So that sort of sets me up and maybe gets me thinking about um, other projects that I'm working on, which is maybe why I put on a certain album. Like, how did that? How did they? How did that songwriter do this? Or how did that keyboard player get that sound? Kind of stuff. So, so that that sort of feeds me in the morning, and then uh, at work while I'm working, um, music's on in the background all the time, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or whatever. It's just sort of burbling away, and I have kind of half an ear on it because I'm, I'm I'm just curious, and I, I like to just um, go around with open ears all the time and just try and absorb as much audio content as possible because yeah, just, that's just that's just who I am. <laughs> Uh, and then again in the evening, yeah, while I'm, while I'm cooking tea, listen to NTS radio or, or some of my own collection or, or, or do a bit of playing myself, basically. But yeah, it's just kind of 24-7, really, music with me. Um, for a while, and then I, I realised that silence is also good. And um, so then, then just listen. I, I don't listen to music when I'm walking about. I don't listen to headphones or anything like that. I, I kind of listen. That was a, we had a really interesting lecture. I think it was the first week on the Masters when they were talking about sound design and the sort of philosophy of sound. And, um, and the guy was saying that real life is is a soundtrack. So cars revving, birds flying, uh, doors opening and closing, you know, the chatter of people. You can actually you can you can actually reframe that as as like an audio sort of composition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really changed. So since that day on I've stopped listening to music when I'm walking. So whenever I walk out of the house I'm always like, oh what, what can I hear? And it's a really interesting way to sort of walk about the city and just yeah. Yeah, I think even just doing the podcast I, mm. I've had a, a greater appreciation of of sound. Yeah. Um and I mean, because you go into a room and you think that room's quiet, but as soon yeah. as you start recording that and then listen to yeah, it back, there's all this other stuff. There's so there? many things yeah, going on, like yeah. the buses that go past, yeah, the, the seagulls, that, mm. the things that you 
that are the sounds of, of the world, but yeah. you, they were so hyper-normalised that yeah. they just disappear. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, just, yeah. but they're all still there. And, and if you tune into them, then that, that really puts you in the moment. It's just it's quite a nice, almost mindful way of being. I really like it. Yeah, I was chatting to um, Colin Anderson, who worked on GTA mm-hmm. as a sound designer for that. Right. Um, and he was talking about car engines. Right. Um, and creating the sounds for it. Yeah. And he was like, well, the car doesn't have a sound that has like an orchestra under the bonnet that yeah. creates that sound. Mm. And until you have that appreciation for yeah. all the things that are going on, how can you represent that sound? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's the sound of it vibrating throughout the chassis and the, and the body of the car and uh, and how it sounds when you're sat in the driver's seat and how it sounds when it's going past you. It's, it's massively, massively complicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I learned that when I tried to actually record some car sounds for a project. I was like, this sounds terrible. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And then I was like, right, okay. Okay, you need a bunch, you need a load of microphones, basically. So, yeah, you, to get a proper car audio recording, you need you need mics on on the engine, on the wheels, kind of all around sort of stuff to get a, a full sort of three sixty. It's not enough to just hold one of these zooms in front of a car. <laughs> you got to make it. But the thing is, with with game audio and 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 sound in films, it's it's all about kind of hyper reality. So the, yeah, they exaggerate it to you know to for it to have more of an impact, basically. Mm. So you just brought your as an album, as an EP, as a spirit wing. Oh yeah, uh, solo seven inch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so I've got this. I've got the solo project now as a spirit wing. So I did a, a seven inch last month, I think it was. Uh, and yeah, it's quite nerve wracking. This is the first time I've done something just on my own name. I've always collaborated. I've been in bands before. So this is this is just me. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty nerve shredding experience. But so what it was, was the, all right. What was the driving force behind doing that? Uh, somebody asked me. Yeah, yeah. An old friend is uh, setting up a new record label in London called uh, With Bells Records. And uh, that's what he's going to be doing for, uh, for his hobby or, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he just wants to run a record label. So we used to we used to teach together, uh, but now he's based in London. And he said, I'm, I'm setting up this label. Uh, I really like what you've been doing with Art of the Memory Palace and Jane Weaver. And, you know, I think you're an interesting guy. And I'd like you to be the first release on the label. So it's kind of, you can't. I was... Oh. I was, I was really, really flattered, um, and I said yes straight away, because it's just a, a cool thing to do, but then I immediately regretted it, but then I just, I, I'd, I'd, made my, I'd made my bed now, so I had to lie in it, so. So then it was about, yeah, just a few months of trying out a few different ideas, and, and then settling on, on something that I thought sounded good, and it was similar to, similar to sort of my, my master show, like, who are you, you know, where do you come from, um, what, what makes you feel happy, cool, write that down, and then make a piece of music which reflects those sort of influences mm. um, so yeah so it's, it's yeah it's, uh, it's two-sided uh, Accidental Journey the A-side got played like on Git by Gideon Cole on Six Music a few times which is pretty cool job done uh, it's again it's a really really nice object the sleeve design is really good um, and it's out there and now I kind of want to do more the video is great as well ah right yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like that was that did you have a hand in that yeah I did, I, did, I, did, I, did it, I did it all yeah yeah totally it's, kind of, it's got that sort of psychedelic feel about it yeah that's me all over and then the sort of the anonymity with the, the helmet yeah and, yeah I didn't, I didn't I didn't want to show my face yeah and, and, and I like spacemen so I thought right well I'll just dress up as a spaceman it, it looks quite cool that, that was a paper mache head that a friend donated to me from his band and uh, so yeah I painted it 
Pinstrip Blue and made it made it look like I was a visitor from outer space, which is I kind of feel like that most of my time, most of my life anyway. So, uh, and yeah, it was. Uh, I went through a few different ideas for the video. The first idea was cycling around Dundee with with the helmet on, and having like a having a, a GoPro, um, well, two GoPros, one on one on my handlebars looking forwards, and then one pointed back looking at the head and kind of. So it's going to be like a split screen kind of thing basically, and I did a little test run one morning uh, and I nearly died because I couldn't see anything. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe I need to think about this a little bit more. Because <laughs> the helmet's so tight and I can't see anything without my glasses. So I've got to take my glasses off to put this helmet on. So it's really, really tight on my head. There's a tiny little slit. Uh, and then uh, then I was on my bike and I just, you know, I was just completely lost all all perception, all, all my sort of spatial perception went. Um, and I was just tottering along the Tay Bridge thinking, this, this is this is not good. And um, so, yeah, I managed to survive the Tay Bridge and then I, I cycled, I was just trying to get some test footage. And then I, I cycled along uh, Riverside for a while and people like shouting at me from their cars and stuff like that. I was like, okay, no, 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 this is too much. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it in a studio behind closed doors. Um, so how did the, the, the Jane Weaver um, how did that all come about? Um, involved in that? Yeah, we I sort of I played in bands in Manchester, and she's always she's been a musician her whole life, and we're, we're all part of this kind of same scene back in the mid two thousands. Um, so our band and, and her band kind of played the same the same circuit, same sort of uh, venues and festivals and all that sort of stuff, and we kind of became friends just through that. And uh, but then I moved away, and she was recording her album The Silver Globe. Um, which came out in 2014, but she was recording it with people who I used to play with. Um, so the album was done, and uh, and then she said, I'm going to take this on the road and do some shows. But um, she just wanted to sing, she didn't want to do any of the playing of the synthesizers and all that kind of stuff. She said, I need somebody to be the weird sound guy. Uh, and Pete and Brian, who I played with before in Manchester, who were sort of working on the Silver Globe with Jane, said, well, we know somebody, absolutely perfect, uh, but he lives in Scotland. And uh, but Jane was like, that's absolutely fine. I'll pay his travel and come down and get involved. So uh, she sent me the album. I had a few email exchanges um, where we talked about what I'd, what I'd do on the the recordings, and I practiced at home. And then we had uh, our first gig was at Festival Number Six at Port Marion in Wales in two thousand and thirteen, I think it was. Um, so I practiced at home, and then I went down. We all met up on a Saturday afternoon. We had one rehearsal um, in. My, friend's barn and then the next day we went and did the festival and it all just it all just worked basically and then we just went from strength to strength from there yeah it was a bit of a baptism of fire the, the, the very first time we were all on stage together was the first time we'd all played together as a band wow. because I lived in Scotland mm -hmm. uh, and you know they lived in Manchester so they'd either rehearsed either three of them would rehearse or two of them would rehearse or, or whatever there was never like a, there was there was never ever a full band rehearsal and um, so our first gig was our first full band rehearsal and we managed to survive it. It's like, Phew, yeah, I think we can do this. And yeah, so it just kind of went from there. Basically, the album came out. That was in 2013. Then the album came out in 2014. Um, we did a few shows uh, the sort of tail end of that year. And then a lot of touring in 2015. And a bunch of cool festivals and stuff. It was, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So is that one of the reasons that you're heading off out of Dundee then? Yeah, that's, yeah. The, the travelling, travelling can be fun. Until it's not. <laughs> And it, it just become it just become really hard to um, just taking time off from work. Um, so I had to take a I had to take a day off either side of gigs, like a day to travel down, then rehearse, and then another day to travel back up, basically. And it was fun. It, it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, 
finishing up, saying goodbye to everybody, and then getting getting on a train back to Dundee and and playing in places like Manchester and, and London and stuff like that, big cities, and then getting on the train and coming back to just open spaces and blue skies and fields and seaside. It was like ah, brilliant. That was really really good. Um, but yeah, I did that for like two years, and I think by the end of it, I, was, I had a word with myself, and I, I just I couldn't I could I don't think um, I had the stamina to do that again. Um, so it's like right, maybe it's time to start looking for a job in Manchester and see. See what happens, and I ended up getting a job. So yeah, it's probably just feels like the right thing at the right time. Mm. Yeah, but you know, like I said, it's my second stint in Dundee. Maybe there'll be a third one. I don't know. <laughs> so yo-yoing between these two cities. <laughs> well, thinking about the city, mm. um, yeah, you, you obviously saw a lot of change the first time you yeah. went away. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what would you like to see happen in the city going forward? Um, well, yes, yeah, just carry on as it is. It's on the right track. Yeah, um, more more collaborations. Just I don't know. It's yeah. It's, I think the time for for that kind of chat has ended. Actually, I think Dundee's sort of sorted now, and it can just. I think? Yeah, I think it's just yeah. It's, I think there's enough momentum has been reached mm-hmm. for it to just you know it's reached like a tipping point. And now it's fine. There's like the foundations have been laid. Everybody knows what the score is and 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 how to network and how to how to make cool stuff happen. And then it just it just happens. So I think now it's just gonna it's just gonna start happening almost without thinking. Do you know? Do you play an instrument? No, I'm not musically talented. Right, right, right. Okay. Hey, when you're learning guitar, um, it's quite hard to begin with, and you just you know your fingers really hurt, and you're trying to make different chord shapes and all that kind of stuff, and you just you don't you don't. See an end product. You don't ever see when you'll be able to play a full song, kind of thing. Um, but one day, it suddenly, I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience. It just clicks, uh, and this this thing that you were struggling to do before, you, you were trying to get your fingers on the right on the right strings and in the right configuration. Just like it was all, you know, just wrong. It just couldn't happen. And then one day, without even thinking about it, suddenly it's just like it's like wow, I'm a guitarist. I can play a chord, and that that's kind of my analogy for for Dundee. It's like it's been sort of you know this this. That stage has been reached, uh, and now I, I just think it's going to flourish, really. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, I suppose that yeah, that momentum is, is mm. definitely there, and you're starting to, starting to feel it, and you're starting to see it as new yeah. things arise and yeah, yeah, totally. things change, and yeah. especially the, the the creative sector seems to be strengthening yes. and growing. Yes, um, a framework for success has been created. But it, I suppose it relies on the people who are here doing the things they're doing, staying and continuing that momentum yeah totally yeah yeah i mean the staying thing is i've, I've thought about that a lot because obviously i'm leaving but and um and it, yes people do come to the city and then 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 they do end up moving on um but i don't know maybe that's the identity of the city why feel bad about that you know what why, why not celebrate the fact that you get talented people coming in doing doing amazing stuff um, having an impact and and then moving on and then another lot of talented people coming in do you know what I mean so it's like, like not 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 an incubator but just a sort of a, a sort of stopping off point for for good stuff to happen uh, and it leaves a kind of legacy and then that just kind of that's that sort of perpetuates I think that, I think that's an interesting interest that's certainly my angle on Dundee anyway so it's like that'd be that'd be a, a good identity for a city yeah as, as yeah. long as you can continue to attract then, absolutely and you can Which keep that, will. that turnover yeah yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah so yeah who cares about retention just just keep it cool all the time yeah it'll get boring if, if people just come and stay they won't change <laughs> <laughs> yeah on a, a few chats with other people we talked about the boomerang effect what's the boomerang effect um, so DJ Cad and Aberte create yeah. fantastic graduates mm. every year and we send them off 
yeah. off to the horizons to yeah. the big cities and the big smokes. Mm. But what we need is that the, the boomerang effect. So in a few years' time, when they go, I'm not sure London's quite right for yeah. me. I could do with a bit more space and a bit more money. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, to play with. So then we reel them back in. Yeah. Um, and that's the sort of job. And that's yeah. Because sort of create the talent. Yeah. They go off and hone the, those skills. Exactly. And then they come back, and yeah. then we can enjoy that again. I know. Win win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's really, really good. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I like the idea of yeah, Dundee being like a, a a city constantly in transition. I think that's really interesting. It goes back to that journey thing, but then that's yeah. just my opinion. Exactly. You know I mean, who needs an endpoint? Just <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so if if anyone wants to find out, like, listen to your music or yeah. um, find out what you're up to, yeah, sure, know. yeah. Um, Art of the Memory Palace are on Facebook, so it's facebook.com forward slash Art of the Memory Palace. We're also on Twitter as at Art of the MP, I think. Um, I don't have a website. I, I'm on Twitter. It's at Raz underscore Ulla. I'm terrible at promoting, but I'll occasionally say what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Give us a follow. Give us a, give us a chat if you want. Um, what other, other news are there? Oh yeah, there's uh, With Bells Records. They've got a website. You can check out this, the releases that are coming out on there. Um, what else is there? Yeah, I need a website. Will you do me a website? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been meaning to do it for years. I've, I've got all my documentation, all the projects that I've done, and all that kind of stuff, little mods and, and loads of pictures and all that kind of stuff. And I'd like to have just one sort of repository for it all, but, but it's work. <laughs> so it's the last thing to get. Yeah, done. yeah, totally. Your own website, yeah. So yeah, 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 definitely. I might, I might just do a little bit. I don't know. Is Tumblr still a thing? I think so. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It still exists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks very much. Nice one. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, Ryan. Cheers. And that was Raz. Um, an extra special thank you to him for taking the time out of packing up his flat uh, to come and do the podcast. Um, and such an, an upbeat and uplifting conversation. Especially his perspective on the the design community, the creative community in Dundee and that the whole concept of momentum I think is, is really, really important and really insightful. Um, and such a such a positive outlook. It's wonderful. I'd also urge you to go and listen to some of his music. Um, in order to do that, what I've done is created a Spotify playlist and the link to that is in the show notes and I've put together a bunch of stuff. So from his solo to Art of the Memory Palace and some Jane Weaver stuff in there. So the most recent stuff so on that playlist. Um, it's a good one for getting your head down and doing some work in the studio. Um, I'll be listening to it all this week. But yeah, beyond that, obviously it's going to be a big week for the podcast next week at the Design Festival. Um, there's not going to be an episode coming out next Wednesday. Um, but then the week after, that's when the punch-in, punch-out stuff is going to start going live. So I'm excited about that. And if you are in Westward Works, you're coming to the Design Festival, pop your head in, say hello, and answer a question. Get yourself on the podcast. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Also... To everyone on Facebook, on Twitter, um, on Instagram, for all the likes, the retweets, I'm very thankful. Keep that up. Really do appreciate that and it helps spread the word. Yeah, and to, to keep up to date with everything on the podcast, it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram and the Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee.
but there'll be a bunch of stuff coming out next week as I set up and get everything ready and put out some little snippets of punch in, punch out. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And I will catch you in two weeks' time with the first episode from the Dundee Design Festival. So until then, goodbye.